If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. The Old Covenant had its altar. The brazen altar, it was the place where people brought their sacrifices to atone for sin and where people brought their sacrifices as an act of worship to God. And Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 10 tells us that we have an altar as well. The New Covenant has an altar. And what happened there? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But He, Jesus, after He had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The New Testament altar is the cross. That's where Jesus Christ, our High Priest, offered Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ died as a sacrifice for sins one time forever. And it's over. There are no more sacrifices for sins. And I had to come by faith to that altar accepting Jesus Christ as my sacrifice, as the One who died for me. And when I did, I found forgiveness and cleansing from sin. And you know what else happened among many other things when I came to faith in Jesus Christ? The Bible tells me that I became a priest. And if you're a believer, you are a priest as well. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, we're told that Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests unto God. And so not only do I partake of the privileges of the altar, I also act as a priest in offering sacrifices to God. Now, what kind of sacrifices do I offer? Well, they're not, they're not sacrifices for sin because that's been taken care of. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us they are spiritual sacrifices. What are the spiritual sacrifices that I, as a priest, believer, what are the spiritual sacrifices that I am to offer to God? Well, two of them are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Notice what he says. Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name, and... Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Two sacrifices are mentioned here. Praise to God in verse 15, and doing good and sharing in verse 16. Now we're going to focus on the first one this morning. The sacrifice of praise. Now, a sacrifice of praise is not a new thing. It's not a new concept. God has always desired this sacrifice. In Psalm 50, verses 12 to 14, God says, If I were hungry, 
I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Hosea says in Hosea 14.2, Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. Now this morning, I just want us to pick out five things in verse 15 about the kind of praise that is pleasing to God. And this is listed in your bulletin. First of all, it's conditional. It's conditional. I used to say there's only one condition to praising God. Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I used to say the only thing you've got to do is breathe. But this verse tells us there's a more specific condition to praising God. And it's found in the first two words of the verse. It says, through Him. To praise God, you have to do it through Jesus. And so the, the sacrifice of praise is only acceptable as it accompanies the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. His sacrifice is the foundation for our sacrifices. And I cannot come to God and, and worship Him apart from coming through Jesus Christ. Proverbs 15.8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Until I come as a sinner to Calvary, I cannot come as a worshiper to God. And if my sacrifice of praise is through Him, then I think there's an obvious condition in that as well. I have to be in right relationship with Him. I have to be, as Jesus said, abiding in Him. Jesus said in Matthew 15.8, This people honors Me with their lips, but their heart is far away from Me. But in vain do they worship Me. That tells me God doesn't accept insincere, hypocritical worship. Worship comes from a heart that is close to Him. Now, how does that happen? Well, there's another sacrifice that's not mentioned here, but it's the fundamental sacrifice that we as Christians have to give. And it's mentioned in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The fundamental sacrifice I'm to make to the Lord as a believer is myself. And until I sacrifice myself, I can't sacrifice the sacrifice of praise because it's not acceptable to the Lord. God doesn't want your praise until He has you. You see, when I am presented to God as a sacrifice, that implies that I am what? I am dead. And when I am dead, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. And that's the theme of praise. And so first of all, the sacrifice of praise is conditional. Secondly, 
It's continual. Look again at verse 15. Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Praising God is not to be some small segment of your life. It's not to be something I get around to once in a while. It's not to be something I try when I have nothing better to do. It's not something that is an occasional response when I feel like it. Praising God is to be a continual process in my life. It's to be something I am doing all the time. It's to permeate everything I do. I'm to be so captivated and filled with the greatness and goodness and grace and majesty of God that I'm like a cup that is filled to the brim and just spilling over with praises to God. In Psalm 34, 1, David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Can you say that? We're to praise Him in good times and in bad times. We're to praise Him on Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, no matter what circumstances may be taking place in your life. When David was out in the wilderness being hunted down by Saul, he wrote Psalm 63, and he said, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate you on you in the night watches, for you have been my help. And listen, and in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. When do you as a believer get out from under the shadow of his wings? You don't. So no matter what's happening around you circumstantially, under the shadow of his wings, we can sing for joy. It's to be continual. Thirdly, it's costly. You say, well, Dan, I do praise the Lord, but I do it silently. Well, that's good. But that's not fulfilling this verse. Because this verse says you are to do it with the fruit of your lips that give thanks to His name. You see, if you are giving thanks silently, you're not sacrificing your lips. Because your lips are used to say and sing. You say, well, Dan, it's not easy to continually praise God. I know it's not easy. That's why he calls it here a sacrifice. Now, there's two things implied in a sacrifice. Number one, a sacrifice is costly. I have to give something to praise God. I have to give my lips, my body, my mind, my heart, my time, my energy. It's a sacrifice. It doesn't come natural. It's not going to be easy. It's a sacrifice. In fact, David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer sacrifices to the Lord my God which cost me nothing. Your sacrifice of praise to the Lord is costly. But then there's a second aspect to a sacrifice. When the people of Israel offered a sacrifice to the Lord, it had to be the best. They were required to bring an offering that was without physical defect. So when we come and bring our sacrifice of praise to the Lord, it's to be the best. 
Is your praise an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord? Is it costly? Is it the best? In the book of Malachi, God was upset because the people of Israel were bringing their lame animals and their sick animals and their crippled animals and they were saying, well, this, this sheep doesn't walk right anyway. I think I'll give it to the Lord. They were not giving their best. And you remember how God responded to that? God said, you're bringing me your lame and your crippled. Go give them to your governor. Send them in with your tax return. See if the government takes that second and third option. You see, God wants our best. We need to say with David in Psalm 103.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I'm to worship Him with my all. That's the kind of praise that is pleasing to the Lord. So verse 15 says praise is a sacrifice costing us our very best that we should be continually bringing to God. Now if we were all practicing Hebrews 13.15, don't you know that it would be exciting to come together for congregational worship? If we were all doing continual praise to God, from giving God our best, giving God our all, every day, all day, all day long, no matter what was going on, and then we gathered together on Sunday, what would that be like? We would just be spilling over with praise to the Lord as we gathered together because that's something we should be doing all week long. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. John R.W. Stott said, we evangelicals do not know much about worship. Evangelism is our specialty, not worship. We have little sense of the greatness of Almighty God. We tend to be cocky, flippant, and proud. And our worship services are often ill-prepared, slovenly, mechanical, perfunctory, and dull. Ouch. I think A.W. Tozer would have agreed with that assessment. He called worship the missing jewel of the church. And why is it missing? Well, maybe it's because the kind of praise that is pleasing to God is sacrificial. And we don't want to give God our best. Fourth, it's crucial. You say, is praising God really that important? Is, is praising God important? I mean, there's lots of work to do. We've got to evangelize and serve and preach and pastor. And What did Jesus say to Mary? When Martha was real busy and Mary was sitting at His feet, He said, Mary has chosen the good part that will never be taken away from her. There is something seriously wrong with a Christian who is not involved in continual quality praise of God. There is something wrong with a church that is not ringing 
with praise. A lack of praise indicates that what I have is more a theory than a love affair. If you love Him, you will praise Him. We've all been around guys who are in love with a young lady. Half of us have been there. It's hard to have a conversation with the guy. You know, he's always saying, she's got the prettiest eyes. Man, she's so sweet. She's a dream come true. And then he tries to recruit you into the conversation. He says, isn't she lovely? Isn't she the greatest? Well, you know, when you think about it, that's what the psalm writers do. They love the Lord and so they praise Him. But they don't stop there. They're, they're always calling us to come join them in praising the Lord. Psalm 47 says, Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. Psalm 66, Shout joy, joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praises glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Psalm 34, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Psalm 107, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you love the Lord? Then you ought to be praising Him. It's crucial. And the fundamental reason why I say it's crucial is because you were created to worship. You have an innate capacity to worship God. And when you stop worshiping God, guess what? You don't stop worshiping. You start worshiping someone or something else. We are worshiping creatures. And when we don't worship God, we turn to idolatry. That's the whole point in Romans chapter 1. It says, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. How did man end up bowing down to a tree stump. Well, Romans chapter 1 tells us, although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks. And what happened? They exchanged His glory for the glory of the created thing. And then the fifth and final point I want to make this morning, it's creative. What are some ways that we're to praise the Lord? 
Well, Israel had three main words for praise. One was Hallel, which means making a noise. Has the idea of a jubilant, celebratory roar. Second word was yada. It's associated with bodily actions and gestures. And the third word is zamar, which means playing an instrument or singing. Just the definition of those three words tells us there are a variety of ways to praise the Lord. One is making a noise. Hallel. Psalm 47.1 says, Shout to God with the voice of joy. Now, when's the last time you shouted to God? Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Or the NASV says, Shout joyfully to the Lord. What does that mean? How do you, what do you do with that? What's a joyful shout? Woo! Have you practiced that lately? You know, most of us feel a little uncomfortable getting just too exuberant about our praise. But I find that to be unfortunate because the Psalms are filled with exuberant praise. You go to a football game, what do you do? You exuberantly praise your team. What did you do when the Cardinals won the World Series? Did you sit on your couch and go, yippee? <laughs> See, in, in, in our living room, we were going, you! That's a joyful shout to the Lord. say, well, Dan, that's just not too dignified. That's not very reverent. Well, who says it's not? You see, if you're not comfortable with joyful shouting, you're not going to be comfortable in heaven. Let me take you to heaven for a minute. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Look at chapter 7 and verse 9. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And to save time, look at chapter 19. Of Revelation. Chapter 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard something like a loud roar of a great multitude. A loud roar of a great 
a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then slide down to verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. first way that we praise the Lord is by joyful shouting. I'm tempted to have you practice that, but I'm not going to do it. Another way to praise God is by bodily actions or gestures. Yada. Psalm 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. When's the last time you applauded the Lord. Now we'll applaud a singer. We'll applaud at the ball game. When's the last time you gave God a standing ovation? Oh, clap your hands. All you feet. That's an expression of worship. Psalm 123.1 says, To you I lift up my eyes. Worshiping God can sometimes be just standing and staring up. I prefer to do it outside staring up into the stars of the sky and lifting our eyes in worship to the Lord. Psalm 63.4 says, I will lift up my hands in Your name. Another gesture of praise is to lift my hands to the Lord. Psalm 149.3 Listen to this verse. Let us praise His name with dancing. Ooh. My mom used to tell me when I was a little boy, sit still, you're in church. I wish I'd known this verse. <laughs> Sometimes we're to move as an expression of worship to the Lord. Second Samuel 6.14 says, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Psalm 95.6 says, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And a significant expression of our praise to God is to bow down before Him. In fact, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo. It carries with it the idea of prostrating ourselves before the Lord. And that's a significant position all through the Scriptures. Why was Nebuchadnezzar so upset with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's because they wouldn't bow down and worship his golden image. In Matthew 4, Satan took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said to the Lord Jesus, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Cornelius, when Peter came to his house, fell at his feet and worshiped. And Peter said, stand up. Because I'm just a man like you. In Revelation 19.10, John fell at the feet of the angel to worship him. And he said, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours. Fall down and worship God. So there are many bodily actions and gestures 
that help express our praise and worship to God. We need to be creative. You know, I talk about my quiet time sometimes, but I have to be honest. Sometimes my quiet time is not all that quiet. In fact, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus had a quiet time. It says He went to a quiet place. I don't think He was always quiet as He worshipped the Father, as He prayed to the Father. We need to be expressing our worship in a variety of ways. We need to be creative. Now, I know there are those here who cross their arms and say, well, worship is a heart issue. And you're right. We already said that. But I think when you cross your arms and say worship is a heart issue, you're missing the point and you're missing out on a whole lot of creative ways to worship. Because worship is first and foremost a heart issue that then needs to travel to my body, my arms, my hands, my eyes. This passage says, my lips in praise to the Lord. Another way to praise the Lord is by playing an instrument or singing. Zamar. Psalm 47.6 says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. You say, well, Dan, I, I don't sing. Have you ever heard me sing? I have no quality of singing, but you know what? I sing. You know what the first evidence of a Spirit-filled individual is in Ephesians chapter 5? You ever read there where it says, be filled with the Spirit? You know what the very next thing says? You know what the very next evidence is of being Spirit-filled? You're singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. First evidence of a Spirit-filled person is that they're singing and making melody in their heart. The Lord. You say, well, that's happening in my heart, Dan, but it's silent. That's kind of like saying, I, I do silent evangelism. I walk through the mall and, and do silent evangelism. You see, if you have a song, if you are singing and making melody in your heart, this passage tells me that that should be coming from your heart as a sacrifice of praise because it gets to your lips and it expresses that worship. To the Lord. And then instruments. Look at Psalm 150, the last psalm. Psalm 150. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You say, well, I don't really like that instrument.
let me say this as kindly as I can. Worship is not about what pleases you. Worship is about what pleases God. And this, this psalm tells me that God likes a variety of instruments. And if you look again, He likes them loud. You see, the Scriptures give us much freedom in the area of praise and worship. Let's express that freedom. Let's not limit Him. Let's be under His control and worshiping, not as I desire, but as He desires. Philippians 3.3 says, Worship in the Spirit of God. Worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Did you know that every mention of elders in the book of Revelation shows them at worship. Every time they're mentioned in the book of Revelation, what are they doing? They're worshiping the Lord. And what the church is doing in heaven, the church ought to be doing on earth. Let's continually be offering to God a sacrifice of Christ. Now, I can't think of a better way to conclude our service today than to have the praise team come back. And we're going to close out our time today by standing together and singing praises to the Lord.